0: Hi, welcome to Leadership with Randy. I'm Randy Powell. You know, and I, and I say it's more of like a life coaching experience that entire week. It starts at 730 in the morning, and it can easily go way past 10 o'clock at night, depending on the participants. I'm not
1: going to rush them through this. On June 18th, Team Leadville heads out to the mountains of Colorado to run the Leadville Marathon in support of the work and mission of Warriors Ascent, an organization dedicated to helping veterans and first responders. a healthy response to the burdens of their service. Today we're speaking with Kerry Stewart, a Gulf War veteran who shares the lessons of his own journey of healing by teaching mindfulness, meditation, and yoga to the participants at Warrior's Ascent. Kerry is the founder of MYKC. You can learn more about his work at MidtownYogaKC.org. You can learn more about the work of Warrior's Ascent at WarriorsAscent.org, where I'd also encourage you to donate to help support the impact they're making on the lives of others. Let's go learn about mindfulness, meditation, yoga, and journaling with Kerry Stewart. Good morning. It's great to be together. Excited to uh, see everyone one again and excited to spend time with Kerry Stewart, uh, who I've really observed a lot over the past few years with his association and incredible work with Warriors Ascent. Kerry's uh, also the founder of MYKC. Um, uh, mindfulness and yoga instruction in Kansas City. And that's really been uh, part of his big contribution I've observed with the folks at Warriors Ascent. And that's really important because this month, and we'll talk about a little bit later, uh, we're heading out to Colorado with Tony Hoffman and Team Leadville as part of the annual support of Warriors Ascent. And so I want to continue to create awareness about that, both of the good work they do. It's awesome and inspiring to go out there and see people restored in spirit and renewed in hope. And one of the people I've really seen have a tremendous impact on lives is Carrie and the association he builds with these folks and the experiences he brings about how to deal with with some of life's challenges. So good morning, Carrie. It's great to see you.
0: Hey, good morning. Thank you for having me today.
1: Why don't you go back and tell us a little bit about the early carry journey you also served and were a Gulf War veteran and then came back and, and had your own journey of discovery that led you down the path of mindfulness and meditation and yoga. And a lot of the things you teach are things you experience yourself. Why don't you go back and tell us about who inspired you to military service and, and what did you learn along the way?
0: yeah well you know the lineage of every male in my family mother and father's side served in the military so I felt it was you know my due diligence as well to go in Uh, some of that of course was due to the economy of a little recession in Oklahoma as well there wasn't any jobs there wasn't any other opportunity you know people we're going to aviation school, my friends, and they were working at Sonic or they were janitors. You know, the the guy that I admired and the smartest man I know after graduating from aviation school was changing oil. And so it was just a really challenging time. And I said, you know, everybody else in my family has done this. So um, I signed up. I went into the Air Force. I did electronic warfare. And I was deployed in the Gulf numerous times. Spent a year in Korea. I absolutely loved the career. I loved the people that I got to work with. I loved, I mean, I was really privileged to do what I did in the eight year span. Um, but, uh, you know, after my first time returning from the Gulf War, I became re- really, really ill. And I'd lost a lot of weight. I was fainting. I was vomiting. I was just having a lot of health issues. And I started developing these migraines. And it got to the point when I would go TDY, I couldn't perform my duty. And, you know, I I know the military's changed a lot, you know, since the nineties, but in those days, if you couldn't do your job, it's you're gone. And so they basically came to me and said, Hey, you're, you're out of here in in 45 days. Luckily, I had a friend that was opening up a restaurant in in Kansas city. Uh, It's called a CC's pizza. I went, managed that, uh, moved back to Oklahoma around 2000, came back to own that restaurant. And did a variety of different things. I got into cybersecurity. I worked for the Federal Reserve. I worked for the USDA. Um, And then I just got to the point where um, I was just bankrupt mentally, physically, and spiritually. And uh, I would come home just from doing cybersecurity. I'd get on the couch and I couldn't get up. And my weekends were just horrible, you know? And I didn't have, there was no quality of life for me. And my wife comes to me one day and she goes, I didn't sign up for this. And the first thing I'm thinking is she wants a divorce. Um, and she's like, I want you to retire. I want you to focus on your health and well-being." So I did that, you know, I turned in my resignation and I knew, I told her, I said, I'm gonna go and turn my resignation. I'll be home in about 45 minutes. Because any of you guys know that if you're in IT, as soon as, you know, you're turning your resignation, <laughs> they walk you out the door. Um, and so I, reached out to the VA and they sent me out to Gulf War testing out in New Jersey. And I spent a week out there and they suggested Tai Chi, which I knew what that was yoga. And of course I knew what that was. I hadn't done either one of those and then biofeedback. And I never had heard that terminology before. And so I went home and kind of researched it. And as soon as I got home, they sent me out to Leavenworth with Dr. Black to do biofeedback and it started the transformation in my life. It was the first time I left the VA where I felt better walking out than I did walking in. Every time I usually left the VA, I was frustrated. I was anxious. I was annoyed. You know, I wasn't getting the treatment that I wanted for the last 30 years. And this was the first time that I felt calm and relaxed. So I really dove into understanding the Eastern version of mindfulness and meditation and i did that every single day of my life every morning every evening every afternoon i would walk to some of the parks there in kansas city and i would just go meditate and it really transformed my life and about six months later i stepped into a yoga studio not knowing that you weren't supposed to focus on your breath and your intention i'd already set up this great solid foundation of mindfulness being present being in the moment And then when I added the breath into those movements, it was just really a transformative experience. Um, Went to yoga teacher training in Kansas City and um, then I went to India and I spent a month in India doing my 300 hour. And that was really another pivotal experience. And it provided me a, a really great, solid foundation for understanding kind of the old school way of what yoga really is you know, and what mindfulness really means and, and being present and being in the moment. Um, I've been with Warriors Ascent for six years, you know, and I really appreciate, you know, Mike Kinney and Tony Hoffman for trusting me on this journey and this path and giving me the opportunity to share my real life experiences of what and how mindfulness and meditation has transformed my life as well as hundreds of the participants their family you know their friends and colleagues that have gone through
1: well i'm sure with the folks you work with and and i've heard this said many times there that you know they come in maybe with uh negative perceptions misconceptions about yoga mindfulness mm-hmm. meditation and i'm not going to do that stuff <laughs> uh, and so for those that Don't know what that stuff is. will not you talk us a little bit through uh, the methodology and the background and the things that are misconceptions and what we ought to know that we don't know?
0: Yeah, well, I'll tell you how I introduce myself every single time as I walk in and I tell them I'm Kerry Stewart. I'm a Gulf War veteran. And that in this space, you are accepted for who you are. You are loved for who you are. And there's no social comparisons of who you were in the past. you are today or who you might be in the future and that i love and accept you for who you are and a lot of grown men will tell me i'm the first grown man that's ever told them that they love them and at first they don't believe it they're like oh this guy's full of shit." but then after a day or two they realize that i truly do love and accept them unconditionally for who they are now mindfulness and meditation is about acceptance and awareness and until we can accept who we are who we are completely, we cannot go forward without being mindful and being present. We have too many doubts and fears and anxiety and stress. And that's the foundation of that is providing a space for these people to feel accepted and to feel loved and not have any social pressures of what's going on. And then they're allowed to be mindful and be in the moment. And we dive into self-care. And they they begin to understand that because everybody hears this buzzword of self-care. And I explained to them that yoga is not just what you do on the mat, but it's a whole holistic lifestyle. It's getting enough sleep. It's what you eat. It's your total environment. It's where you work. You know, it's your relationships. It's everything about your life is yoga. And that yoga does two things for us each and every day. It lets us know those things in our life that we're doing well, and also those things in our life that we need to work on. And so that's why we get so distracted with YouTube and Hulu and Netflix and kids sports. And we do all these other things in our life to preoccupy our minds. So we can't be alone with ourselves. Um, And so those are the, that that's going to be the, the the founding principle about it is acceptance and unconditional love and awareness. And then we dive into what that really means. And so with self-care, You know, it gives people the opportunity to understand what it is for them after the three or four days. And I'll I'll reiterate, there was a lady last year that she came in Thursday. She was so excited. She was so bubbly. And she's like, oh, my gosh, guys, I find out my version of self-care. I found out my version of self-care. And she goes, I hope you ladies don't think I'm morbid. And we're all like, what, what does she ha- What does she say? She goes, it's deer hunting. I love to go deer hunting because I'm just alone. I don't have to be with my husband. I don't have to be with my kids. I don't have to wash dishes. I don't have to do anything. And it's not about it, whether or not I get a deer or not. It's about me being alone in nature. And I think through the journey and the path, we begin to understand our version of self-care and how that changes throughout our life, where it could be a hike or a walk, or maybe it's just alone, you know, reading a book somewhere. And giving people that space and giving them the permission to be themselves and also be vulnerable. Vulnerable is one of the biggest keys. And, and I, and I explain it this way, that being vulnerable is raw, authentic, real, and genuine. But there's another key component to that is, is not holding back. We've all been in relationships where we feel like somebody's holding back or you're holding back in the relationship. When you're truly vulnerable, you're giving your all. You're giving 100% and you're not holding anything back. And providing that space for these people is one of the most pivotal points as well. That way they can be themselves. They feel like they can be raw, authentic, real, and genuine that week. And they can be who they need to be
1: to begin to heal and recover. In your many years now of experience, both learning and teaching, what have you found to be the barriers that hold us back from reaching this place where you can work with someone? Guilt, shame, regret,
0: unable to forgive. We can't forgive, like, you know, I I tell people this all the time, all the innocent lives that we took during the Gulf War. It haunts us each and every day, you know, all those families. And so, being able to forgive ourselves of everything that we've done during those times is is one of the number one keys now that key is also in relationships personally and professionally if me and mike kenny get in a fight and i don't forgive him then i've built up walls and barriers right and it may not have been intentional it's drawing people back to your authentic self as well what was mike's true intention why did we get in our little scuffle and fight or what what was going on with me, maybe it was projection. So forgiveness is one of those biggest keys. And that has to also go in with acceptance and vulnerability. And, you know, part of that journey in the path is, you know, we, we talk about the hero's journey, but we also do a ceremony of the dead where we write letters and we burn them and it gives us, gives those people the opportunity to really let the past go that they've been hanging on to and a lot of the trauma from the past that they've held on to. But until we can forgive ourselves and find, then we can't find acceptance. And then when we can find acceptance, we can be okay with who we are today.
1: I think one of the things that's remarkable to me is in your work at warriors ascent, a week seems like a, tremendously short amount of time to build trust (laughs) and yet you do that i see this connection you've got with people that goes on for years how do you break those walls down and build that connection that fast with folks that come in probably with a lot of barriers up and a lot of a lot of walls up that's led them into this situation anyways and you manage to get over that wall pretty fast I
0: listen. My wife says, you know, my, my superpower, the most, you know, gifted thing I have is I'm a great listener. So the first day I've, I've got this journal, I'll just put it away, but I have this journal and I listen to their stories and I write down what they're struggling with, like the root cause of, of what's going on with it. Is it forgiveness or is it guilt or is it shame or is it trauma or have they been raped or sexually abused or whatever it may have been in their life? and the talks that I that we have in the evening. So the first night is really about self care. And then second day, I dive into more into self care. And then I talk about healthy boundaries. And what does that mean personally and professionally, and then we finish up about turning conflict into intimacy, I give them real life scenarios and real life stories of myself and other participants that have gone through the last six years, to make it more relatable, and to make make it give them the opportunity to open up even more and to share so in the evenings you know i I could do this talk in probably 30 minutes but it lasts well over two hours because they really begin to share their story and i i have them journal so i may ask you know this group collectively i'd ask you to write down what are your dreams visions and goals in your journal and you write down your dreams visions and, and goals and then i would say all right tony what's your dreams visions and goals All right, Kay, what's your dreams? I'd ask a few people. I'd say, who wants to share? Then the next slide would be, what are your excuses? Why are you not accomplishing your dreams, visions, and goals? And so I methodically set up a lot of the questions in the slides like that to get to what's really going on in their life. And then it allows that connection because I ask questions that people normally do not ask them. I get to that really, that that whole different level of consciousness of understanding who they are, you know, and I, and I say it's more of like a life coaching experience that entire week. It starts at 7.30 in the morning and it can easily go way past 10 o'clock at night, depending on the participants. I'm not going to rush them through this. It's not a lecture where I'm up just talking, I'm providing information, but it's a connection. I'm allowing them to connect and I'm allowing them to share and I'm having a, you know, a lot of empathy for these people of what they've gone through, but understanding from real life scenarios and, and experiences of my life and the trauma that I've faced. I think that's one of the biggest key elements, you know, because you can go to yoga at the VA hospital and not to belittle what those people are doing, but they haven't experienced what I've experienced. And with experience you're granted that understanding and with that understanding you're granted exposure you know tony has you know climbed that mountain out there in leadville numerous times but unless you've gone out there and run that mountain i don't i can understand but i really don't understand until i've experienced it and i've put my foot on the ground in that elevation and that thin air and done it and that's exactly one of the key components is it? There's a lot of yoga instructors and mindfulness buzzwords that want to help people, but they really have never experienced or they haven't overcome their trauma. They're still living. I call it in the victimhood, right? Because warriors forge their own path. They choose their own destiny and they don't have to have a conventional life to be happy. Soldiers all follow orders somewhere along the line. Somebody has made a directive in an order and they have to follow that. Warriors, warriors begin to forge their own path and find that opportunity. And so with that ability to connect with empathy, with acceptance and unconditional love, because I don't have any expectations. My wife's sitting right back here. I, I have very little expectations of what she's going to give me today. Whatever she gives me, I receive it freely. And that's, that's, the, same, that's the same expectation I set up for them. I give them respect, honor, and pride.
1: I give them a space. They can be free and be vulnerable. Yeah, you mentioned uh, a couple of times about journaling. Is that something I'm assuming that's something we all should and could be doing. What's the, what's the power of journaling and how should we use that to, to guide our own lives?
0: Journaling is the marriage between the mind and the body. You know, if you really want to be connected, you write down your thoughts, feelings, and emotions. Um, a lot of my thoughts, feelings, and emotions—I I, just—I have a, a daily community text, and a lot of the people, participants have now signed up for this because they get they get the text message, you know, every day of of what it is. But a lot of it is also we haven't expressed our thoughts, feelings, and emotions. You know, we haven't allowed ourselves to really dialogue and think about what that means to us, and so it also is the opportunity. To write down even to-do lists or laundry list or a variety of different things that you have going on in your life you know a, a lot of these people have a lot of night terrors and tremors and things like that so i go over the whole concept of sleep and writing down in separate journal you know what maybe caused those i've got a lot of texts this week from a lot of guys that are struggling and gals that are struggling this week and i know it has to do with the school shootings i know it has to do with Memorial Day, I know it has to do with all those things. So building awareness and being there for them and just saying, hey, guys, you know, just get, you know, journal this out. And so it doesn't have to be complex. You know, I, I provide them with a journal that I published and it's a self-care journal and it's super easy. It, it's writing down what your morning or your evening, it's at a.m. and p.m., your self-care regimen. What, what does that look like? Do you need to go for a run? Do you need to go to the gym? Do you need to do some yoga? What does that mean? Some gratitude, three to five aspects, concepts, things that you're grateful for, dreams, visions, and goals for today and tomorrow, thoughts, feelings, and emotions. And then this allows you the opportunity to, to express really what's going on. And it's been one of the most pivotal points for me in, in my life, you know. And I also say that, you know, you write down letters of intentions to those people in your life as well. And then, you know, I explained that once we go through that ceremony, you know, that burn it. And I explained to them that they can continue to do that their entire life. You know, one of the participants went through and did that with his daughters and his wife a couple of weekends ago. And he shared his photos and he said it was one of the most emotional things that he's ever done because his daughters shared with him how they've been bullied or, you know, harassed or in everything in their life that they had no, he had no idea what was going on because they're holding it, holding it back. And I think that's a lot of it with the journal is that it really allows us the opportunity to be private with ourselves and to be alone. And once again, that's why we avoid it because we don't want to be alone with who we are today.
1: You know, a lot of folks from a variety of venues, they're, their purpose becomes what they do instead of who they are. And I know you deal with a lot of folks who their purpose, their identity is their career in the army or their career as a firefighter or a policeman. And, and without that folks start to flounder and it can be from any career I've seen people, you know, they've Mm -hmm. spent 20 years in a company and that was all they knew. And then, or they're selling their business and that was all they knew. And so how does this journey? How do you weave this journey into helping people rediscover their purpose? Is about who they are and not what they do. Once again, that's real life scenario. That's why I don't. You know, I just
0: explain my. I, I label myself as a Gulf War veteran. And, you know, I never assign what I did, who, what I was at, what I, any of that stuff. You don't see that. I, I remove the labels. Right. And I talk about a couple of different concepts. One of them is your mission statement. Now we don't dive into that. We do not have time for that, but I bring it up the first nine. And I, and I say that, you know, if most of us were in the military or most of us worked for a corporate organization and we had a mission statement, you know, and that's, that's your opportunity to direct your path, right? Where do you want to go? And you can't do it without a mission statement. It's impossible. You're just here one day and you're there and you're there and, and maybe your mission statement needs to change. So a lot of it has to do with your mission statement, but it also has to do, and I'll talk a lot about this about being mindful and present is releasing your attachments to success and your attachments to failures. We're hanging on to the wins. We're hanging on to any time we lost, you know, and I use analogy of, you know, the chiefs or the Royals, you know, when they have, when, um, I'm doing better at this. I'm not into sports, but when they've won the Super Bowl or the World Series, they have a big parade and they only celebrate the wins like that. They don't celebrate the losses. And in our life, you know, failure is feedback. That's how we learn. And that's how we grow is all the failures in our life, right? And so don't look at that in a negative connotation, but look at it as an opportunity to grow. And so realizing that that does not define who you are. You're not defined by your weight, Right. You're not defined by your age, your gender. It's who you are. And it's what you do with your life. And so having those discussions once again in the evening and allowing them the opportunity to realize that. And, and I'll tell you, some people still struggle. <laughs> you know, it's it, it. they live in those, I call high school glory days of, you know, we won the touchdown and we've done this. And, and, and But it's taken, and I'll use Nick. Nick was a great guy. came through. It took him about a year and a half to finally let go of those attachments to success and failure and then really be vulnerable. And now this guy is really just truly transformed. And we hang on to so many of those things in our life. And we do that in every aspect, unfortunately in America, whether you're driving or cooking or what you're doing at work. And I talk about, you know, being process oriented and not as much goal oriented. So it's great to have dreams, visions, and goals. But if you never achieve it, you know, how is it okay? Is it okay that you've enjoyed the journey and the process of getting there and you've been able to be mindful and be present? Like if I went to go run Leadville, it's just not gonna happen. Physically, I cannot do that run. But if I did part of it and I enjoyed the journey and I got SAG support and somebody came and picked me up and took me across the finish line, I could still celebrate with those guys, right? And it's part of being in that, that type of community and, and not having all those attachments and not having all those labels of just being who you are. We do an exercise called Who Am I the first night and we swap journals. And so the guy next to you will ask you, who are you? And you just write down who you are. And then on Wednesday night, I have them go over that and look and say, how have you changed your perspective of who you are? And then I asked him to, to set a calendar reminder. And do it in six months from now and go back and look and see who they are and, and realize how they relabel themselves on this journey and this path.
1: You know, one of your gifts clearly is this ability for people to feel comfortable and, and get authentic with you. Um but we don't necessarily have that in our own daily lives. We look at people around us and we assume they've got it all together and their life's perfect and, and everything's planned and I'll introduce someone and then they walk away and someone will talk about, boy, their life's awesome. And so you say, well, let me tell you about all the things you don't know that the burdens they're carrying. So folks all around us are carrying tremendous burdens, baggage, damage, trauma. How do we become more open where people get authentic and, and share and, and, and want to reveal their real selves.
0: Yeah, it's going to go back to acceptance, forgiveness, and vulnerability and provide that space in that environment. You know, we, we have so many social comparisons and I say that we disprove evolution every single year because we're not a nicer, kinder, gentler, you know, more compassionate, more empathetic society than we were when I was younger. You know, at the 60s and 70s, you know, we used to play outside and just have a good time. And we didn't have the cell phones. and We didn't have all this technology that sometimes just brings us apart instead of closer together. Spending time in nature, giving people the opportunity to be themselves, you know, and, and that's a challenge because, it, you know, if you look at the judicial system on so many levels, right, we, we haven't reduced crime by what we're doing. You know what I mean? We haven't reduced our gun violence by what we're doing. Any topic, any idea, any anything you want to bring up, you know, we have done so many things wrong and incorrectly. We're advertising all these unhealthy options instead of the holistic options. We're not allowing people the opportunity to be themselves. We're judging them. We're criticizing them. We're not accepting them. And so we've got to start with ourselves first, our family, our community and hopefully that will have that ripple effect you know that my family you know is is a family that loves and accepts our community that respects and honors one another and we begin to lead by example and then provide a space like that personally and professionally in all levels how professionally i don't know who all is on this call and what they do for a living but how can you lead by example and allow a space for your employees and your staff and the people underneath you A place where they can really be vulnerable, raw, authentic, how you can accept them for who they are without the judgments, without the criticisms, and you can offer a space of forgiveness. How can you do that in your life personally with your relationships, with whoever that you have in your life, a significant other or kids or mother or father, a spouse, and that you have realistic expectations of one another? But we've done everything wrong in our society in America. I know we're doing a lot of things right, and I'm not denying that, but so many of these things, we haven't provided a space of acceptance and unconditional love that we need to. Sometimes we feel it at a church, but a lot of times we feel judged there as well. It's more about the spiritual insight. It's about, and I'll also say emotional intelligence. So emotional intelligence has that key component of, when I give my talks or I'm at Warriors Ascent or whatever I'm wherever I'm at, I'm wondering how I'm making each and every single one of you feel right here, right now. How do I make you feel how I talk when I'm articulating with my thoughts, feelings, and emotions? But more importantly, how do I make myself feel through this journey and this path? The internal emotional intelligence that I'm providing? Am I providing a space where I can, you know, be empowered and be strong and be vigilant and be that warrior? What am i doing for myself and i you can call that self-care as well but it, it the core component of that is emotional intelligence so i mean that's that's not a topic we can discuss easily or shortly but i would say you've got to look at your own life and start within yourself and make sure that you're providing that space for your community and whatever your community whoever that is around you personally and professionally and hopefully You will be that positive influence on other people's life that they want to they want to provide that and have that ripple effect and look up to you and say i want to be like tony hoffman or mike and i want to provide a place where people feel loved respected honored you know that's that's why we have so much suicide we've given up hope there's no hope anymore our politicians are not giving us hope for our future right it's all gloom and doom the news is taking it all away, it's all about fear. It's one thing or another. Every single week, it's a new fear based Why can't we be empowered? Why can't we be the people, the best version of ourselves and live in a society and a community that truly empowers one another and lifts one another up and says, we're gonna do what we can to succeed. We're not just gonna survive. Surviving is the first step. We wanna thrive. We wanna go past that surviving stage and we want to be the best versions of ourselves.
1: You hit a couple times there on points around. Well, first of all, if anybody has any questions, type in the chat so we can get on <laughs> because this is just fascinating conversation, Carrie. Um, but you hit a couple times on the division and the media and social media. How much in your work in helping coach people on healing and self care do you address that? getting in that phone and getting in that computer and is a minefield and not the best place to be constantly i mean during
0: worries ascent we've set it up as, i mean and i that's another thing i really appreciate mike trusted me it's we i start at seven thirty in the morning and there's a lot of other providers that go out through the day but we will be there until 10 o'clock at night so they're disconnected heartland also is a great if you guys haven't been out to the heartland you know, I'm encouraged each and every one of you to come out in, you know, August, September and October on a Friday for a graduation and see what it's like out there and see these participants. But and see the, the change and hear their stories, you know, hear how, you know, these these guys, you know, go to pull the trigger and the, and the gun didn't go off or they were going to come and this was going to be their last stop. So, you know, I, I think giving people that once again, that space, but it's. um
1: I'm sorry, my mind just went off.
0: <laughs> what was the question again?
1: We're talking about coaching people on oh, coaching so healthy I'll tell people, avoidance of uh, technology. Yeah. How to manage that? How to you know how? Yeah, how, I, how to I, uh, healthy use.
0: I uh, I tell people to turn off all notic- notifications on their phone, and I actually have a little YouTube video that I share quite frequently because if your phone's vibrating or beeping, now you're distracted. And, I, and I, I constantly ask them throughout the week, every single day, what's distracting you from being present? And then once you begin to analyze and journal that and write down what's distracting you from being present, you begin to realize what's going on. It could be your finances. It could be relationships, personally, professionally, sexually, whatever it may be that's going on in your life. But I also tell them that like, personally, I don't work with anybody until we've developed your game plan and your mission statement. So if you came to me and said, Carrie, I want to work with you. I said, okay, first thing is your mission statement, because otherwise it's a waste of my time. It really is. I don't work with people on a a professional, personal level unless they've developed a mission statement because they're all over the place. They're all over the board and they don't have a direction. So I think occupying their time with positive, healthy modalities and taking away all those distractions and then explaining that to them. We have these conversations in the evenings about advertisement and what's really the true purpose of advertisement. What's the true purpose of the media, social media or the news? What's their intention? You know, and we talk about this a lot of, you got to get to the true intention of what people mean and what they're doing. You know, your intention drives the scope of any mission. What is it you're really wanting to gain out of today? What's What's your intention for today? And that may change.
1: So it sounds like all of us on here should have a personal mission statement. Everybody yeah. listening to this should have a personal mission statement. What's that look like?
0: So for me, mine is social enrichment. I kept it really broad because, you know, you may call me today and say, Hey, I need a yoga mat. Okay, well, let me ship, ship you out a, a yoga mat. Or, Hey, Carrie, I just need to have a conversation. I need to talk. You know, what does that look like? Or, Hey, do you have any resources for this? So to me, it's really, how can I, enrich our society. My wife and I, ours is, you know, to be a positive influence to everybody we meet each and every day. Now that's been our mission statement since we've been married for like 30 years. Now we fail and it happens, right? But that's feedback. You know, we're not always that positive influence, (laughs) but we do our best to be that each and every day. So if you walk into our space, we're going to treat you like a guest. Or if I see you on the side of the road, I'm going to stop. Hey, do I need to change your tire? Do you need help? You know, whatever it may be, you know, to be that positive influence. So my personal and professional kind of coincide. But as my nonprofit, professionally, I want to enrich our society. And that's why I engage in, you know, Warriors of Sin. And it really has my heart because I see the difference. I feel and hear the difference and I can see the impact that it makes on these people's lives.
1: Let's go to the Colonel of team led bill, Tony. He has a question.
2: <laughs> yeah. Thanks, Randy. Carrie, uh, appreciate you, brother. Um, I know I don't get to see you very often and the work Mike Kinney and, and you do and Christy cook and, and everything else kind of a softball question for you. And I, I don't know the full answer. I try to attend most of the graduations uh, or the last day of the cohorts uh, haven't been very good lately on that. But every, as you go around the table, every class, male or female, has somebody that says, This was my last opportunity. I've been through multiple programs and won't mention, you know, uh, uh, and And this was my last chance, and this program saved my life. Every time there is at least one individual. Mm -hmm. Just kind of generically, maybe you and Mike, what differentiates, from your perspective, Mm -hmm. the Warriors Ascent um, five-day Academy of Healing from maybe some other programs? I'm not knocking the other programs. I I think every program probably has certain bits and pieces but for a lot of the attendees at warrior's ascent they continue to hear this was my last chance mm-hmm. and this program saved my life
0: i'm going to go back uh, tony thanks for that question i'm going to go back to our intention because it's not about fame and fortune and it's not about publicity it's not about you know the ego it's not about that it's about how can i truly provide a space for hope, for joy, for peace, for acceptance, love. And I think about that constantly. A lot of other people haven't found that within their own lives. So a lot of it, you know, there's more than one quick answer to that, but it's providing that space because I hear that too, you know, from all the other programs, people have gone out for a month, and been in like a mental health type of healing place. And they're like, I got more in five days than I got in 30 days. And it's because I've gone through and analyzed the major key components of what really works and what's really helpful. Mike and I have these conversations every single week. And so it's also about fine tuning this program throughout the year. We get a schedule, we set on it for the whole year, but then if there's something that needs to be fine tuned, we fine tune it and providing the classes and understanding of what's the key component of self-care. What is all the benefits of self-care? What does a good night's sleep look like? What does exercise look like? What is healthy boundaries? What, how do we turn the conflict into intimacy? So those key components of what we do and all the ritualistic, and it's also having a variety of providers. So, you know, Ann gets in in the morning on the first day and she gives them that space and the way she allows them just to think that they're not in a rush right and her whole demeanor and then we have jeff minor we have me and we have mike you know mike has developed this you know amazing platform of the warrior operating system i don't know if i'm supposed to share that but it's super super awesome and so they're getting the same message from all the providers and we have the same intention but every day it's a different theme so you know, Tuesday's really about being vulnerable. What does that really mean? And so they hear that from all of us. You know, Wednesday is about empowerment. And what does that look like? And so we're all on the same trajectory. We all have the same mission. And it's really about our intention because we really want to save and transform lives. And we want to provide that space of hope. So that's going to be the key element. What I hear the most is that they, they say that, We've hit every aspect, every major aspect. We've given them only the information they need, not what they don't need. We're not giving them any other extra, you know, information they don't. That it's going to waste their time, and they're very long days, from seven thirty in the morning to over ten, past ten o'clock at night. I mean, they're getting a ton of information, and um, so those are. I think those are going to be the 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 biggest key components. But you know, as a staff of what we do we really analyze every nth degree. How can we improve the meals? How can we improve these talks? How can we can make a better connection? How can we love and care? People will tell you this. I've never felt more loved and more accepted. And until we, until we have that ourselves, we can't give that away. And we have to love and care for ourselves and our community on a completely different level and give it all. I mean, I know for me, You know, two days before I go out, I I slow down, I engage in self-care, I relax, and then two days after I do the same thing. I allow myself the opportunity to really focus on what I need to for myself first, so then I can take care of those people during that week. Mike, do you have anything you want to add?
3: I mean, a a little bit, my brother, no, great stuff. I think you've teed, you know, you've teed it all up so very, very nicely. Uh, I, I would say, you know, the differentiator, One is that, you know, some of the metacognitive aspects. So as, as Carrie was pointing out that Monday is a stage setter. So we use Daniel Kahneman, uh, thinking fast and slow for system one and system two thinking. And there's some other, I'll say cognitive behavioral aspects, but I won't get all into that and bore everybody, but that is a a real stage setter. Dr. Lease, you know, PhD with 38 years of clinical experience helped us, I'll say architect that. Um, and he's at KU and KU Med in the psychology department. Number two, self-care, which Carrie's really dived down into, you know, it's a teaching people what self-care is, but then for the first responder and veteran community, giving them license to actually take care of themselves because this is a community, you know, that feels a, I got to put others first, you know, I come second and it's a distant second. And when we're like, hey, sharpen the saw to use a Stephen covey you know, it's like if you're not taking care of yourself, you're not showing up as your best self. You're not doing anybody any good. So there's that. Then I'll tell you the feedback I get from the group, you know, when I interview people and as Kerry pointed out, you'll hear their stories and their testimonials, you know, pretty sobering things, you know, in terms of hey, this was it for me, you know, had this not worked, boom, I would have ended it. And you're just like, geez, that's crazy. You know, but, um, you know, in, in talking to them, I hear constantly the impact that Carrie has on, on, on them, you know, beyond just the yoga and the, uh, you know, the self-care aspects, even just like the, the concept of having a personal mission. So to use the clinical terms, there's self-efficacy. Which is, hey, being more effective, you know, being more in control of oneself, you know, and understanding those rubrics. But then there's self-actualization, you know, and that's the thing that Carrie's touching upon with the mission. And that's, and you know, for for you know the people in this audience, you know, many of whom I would imagine have a, have a good sense of self and know what it is they want to accomplish in life. I'm here to tell you, there are many of people that they they are a ship drift. And those are even people that, you know, are high functioning, but maybe they're transitioning careers. Maybe there's a, they're entering into a new chapter of their life and it's very disconcerting for them to like, who am I? And when their identity is so inextricably linked with their profession or who they were. And once that's stricken from them, they're like, who am I now? So when Carrie goes through, you know, the process of saying, Hey, what's your mission? You know, it makes them really introspect and go, whoa. The last thing I'll say is just the group aspects. What I continue to hear time and again, and Carrie's teed it up already. So many people are like, hey, I've I've been one-on-one with clinicians and counselors and all of that stuff. And with all due respect to them, they're wonderful and they have a lot of book knowledge, but they really don't get me. You know, I'm looking at them going, you have no idea what I've been through. You really can't relate. But now the real game changer, and this is coming from the graduates themselves, is then that first day when they share openly, and then somebody else across the room goes, "I'm with you, brother or sister. I, I I've been there. I can relate." Immediately, you know, these people go from feeling isolated and that nobody can, nobody gets me, nobody can relate to all of a sudden now they know they're in a room with other people that really intuitively and authentically understand that right there is transformative and powerful. So with that, I'll I'll stop.
0: Thanks, Mike.
1: Marilyn, I know we have talked in the past, has a grandson in the military all the way through all of American history. So she has a lot of affinity, for the challenges of military service. So, uh, Marilyn?
4: Yes. Well, first of all, I want to thank uh, you for your service, Carrie. That's that's number one. And, yes, my family, actually, we have had a family member since the Revolution of the War. And it must be related. <laughs> in, World War, in World War II and in Vietnam, my grandmother had three of her children in each one of those conflicts. Mm-hmm. So you know, I I give her kudos. She's a very very strong woman. And yes, my grandson is now in the Marines in Central Intelligence with them. So, but the first of all, I heard the other day, I believe, and you can correct me, that every twenty two minutes there is a veteran that commits suicide. Is well, that so?
0: The, the ratio, unfortunately, the VA doesn't provide the data immediately. It's a year behind. Yeah, but I will say. We were down 17 two years ago. And then last year we went up 50% increase. So we're about 24 per day.
4: Wow. Wow. That's so here's my question. Uh, how do we, if we know someone who could use your help, how do they get in touch with you?
0: Me personally or where's well,
4: warriors? warriors Ascent, you know, my, Where,
0: yeah. Or, if you can or, go to warriors, ascent.org and then it'll have the schedule, and then they can sign up there. Okay.
4: Good. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah.
0: And it's a free program. I mean, that's, that's one of the things, too, that really yeah. shocks people is, you know, thanks to people like Tony that, you know, do so much fundraising that we this program is free.
4: That's fantastic. Yeah, that is really, really fantastic.
0: Yeah, and I think that's another thing is they realize, wow, I didn't have, you know, all this cost them is their time. You know, and I tell people, if you want to be the best version of yourself and come to this program, you will not regret it. There's no regrets going through this program. It will really transform who you are and help you personally and professionally.
4: Yes. And I I
0: encourage anybody you know to, to sign up. And if, you know, if you guys are local to Kansas City, I'm going to encourage all of you to kind of just check out the website, look at that week and come out on a Friday afternoon or Friday morning around 11, 1130 for a graduation ceremony to hear the stories. And, and that's one thing that really motivates me is that hearing the trauma that these people have faced is worse than any movie that I've ever seen and can even imagine. It's It's horrific what these people have gone through and it's heartbreaking. And to see them thrive and find joy and find peace and find hope and to find excitement and to find themselves once again is one of the most empowering things that I could do with my life. There's nothing else that I feel like I could do than what I'm doing for my community right here, right now. Nothing. When somebody says this program or you saved my life, what else? And I, and just like Tony says, I hear this time after time, after time, year after year. And I still receive text messages weekly from people telling me how I saved their life or how this program saved their life. And I was there for them. And then they've never felt loved and accepted. And I, this is the first time that they felt loved and accepted in a long, long time.
1: Yeah. So i just,
0: I'll just encourage each and every one of you, if you get a chance, just come see it in person. It's, it's hard to articulate. I, I know I'm probably doing a decent job, but hearing their stories of what they have to say will impact your life more than probably anything else that you've seen or done and or experienced in quite a while.
4: Okay. Thank you.
0: Yeah, you're welcome.
1: think Tony typed in here that veterans are 7% of our population, but 14% of our suicides. Yeah. That gives you the magnitude of the challenge ahead. And I know one of the things that, you and Mike and the team are very big on is not a medication solution, not a self-medication solution. Um, And you've hit several times on some of the components of wellness, but you know, what are some of those components of wellness around sleep, nutrition? What all do you teach as as whole body health that's outside of how we tend to want to just self-medicate?
0: Well, I tell them that, you know, I used to own a CC's pizza there in Grandview. So those of you in, in Kansas City might have, you know, are familiar with it. But I'd open the store. I'd get there at 930 to start prepping for the day. And the first thing I think of is closing the store. How can I make sure that I've got enough produce, enough prep, you know, enough dough? How can I keep the store clean throughout the day? That way, when I go to close, I'm out of here in 30 minutes instead of like two hours. Well, I use the same philosophy in my life. When I get up, you know, at 630 every morning, I set myself up for success. And I think about... How can I have the best day of my life to where I can sleep as well as possible? How can I eliminate any toxic energy, any drama? How can I engage that with healthy boundaries? How can I turn any of the conflict that occurs today into intimacy? And what does that look like? And so I go back again to that that self-care journal that I give them in the morning. Set yourself up for success today. What is your intention? What is it you need to do today? What is your dreams, visions, and goals? What do you need to accomplish And then I talk about the two hours before, you know, no blue light, you know, turn off, get outside as much as you can through the day. Make sure you exercise. If you're a type A personality, like Mike and Tony, you probably need to go for like a five mile jog. (laughs) You need to get your minds going crazy. You've got all this stuff going on, right? So how do you get that out? Well, you've got to exercise it out. Otherwise, it's not going to shut down. And then you begin to journal. Write down what it is you need to do tomorrow. Every little aspect. If you've got to go to Home Depot or Lowe's, write down everything. If you've got to go to the laundry, write it down, write down your grocery list because, you know, my wife's like, oh, I need to go in here for cheese and milk. I mean, not really. We don't drink dairy, but I use that as an analogy. And she'll walk out with everything but the cheese and the milk. Oh, I got to go back in. And that's just how our brains, we're not going to remember everything. We truly can't multitask, you know? So I, I think setting yourself up for success journaling and and going through a really great self-care regimen. What does that look like? What's it look like for you to be as relaxed and po- as possible in the evening and decompress and have healthy boundaries and, and turn off some of the things that are distracting you from being present and being alone? So The talk's about 30 minutes. And I tell them that, you know, melatonin is a thing that I suggest temporarily, because if you begin to take it a lot, then your body doesn't produce as much melatonin. Right. And so do it temporarily, do it for a couple of weeks, you know, go off for a week, see how you do. Right. And then I, and I talk about the sleep regimen of like most of these guys are only sleeping four hours a night. And I said, we'll try to try to go to bed and get up at the same time every day. So if you're only sleeping four hours, you know, and I I use the analogy of six, so go to bed at 2.00 AM and do that for a week and get up at six. And then once you're sleeping more than your four hours then go to bed at one, And now from one to six, and then, you know, from midnight to six, now you're sleeping six hours and just backstep it and then eventually go to bed at 11 and 11 to six. Now you're getting your, you know, seven, eight hours of sleep. And so I go through the whole philosophy. Now I don't discredit medication because we all need it at some level and some point, but I tell them to realize and do their research because prescription medication, along with a lot of other things affects your serotonin which affects your ability to be mindful and be present, which your gut health does that as well. And 90% of it's made in your gut. And then now they've done clinical trials to realize that it's not a one-stop shop for pharmaceutical medicine. You can't prescribe the same amount of dosage to every person because every person is different. And so you may need less and you may need more. And so get into the science behind it and understanding the why of what's going on. So I don't, I don't ever say, you know, don't take medication because I, I still have to take it for my migraines. I still have to get Botox and sumatriptan and all those other things. So I, I give them real life exa- examples, but when I know I take a sumatriptan shot, I know it's going to affect my serotonin level and I know it's going to affect my ability to be mindful and be present. So I tell them to do their due diligence and their research and do what's best for them. You know, to take accountability, I guess, of their health, right? That's part of it. And and, and I encourage all of them to do a blood sample. That's the first thing. I said, go get a blood sample and see where you're at with all your thyroids and all your vitamins, because then you know, It's scientifically proven. I I give the talk of the Eastern and the Western of all the benefits of like biofeedback. Biofeedback's great because they monitor your oxygen and your pulse and your heart rate. They monitor everything, right? Where the Eastern version is, hey, this feels really good. Go do it. It makes me feel calm and relaxed after I did mindfulness. So when you interweave and get the scientific part behind the, the, you know, and and I'm, I'm thankful for that. I'm thankful that they've done a lot of clinical trials and studies over mindfulness and meditation to prove the difference that the amygdala begins to shrink and that mindfulness and meditation has a bigger benefit. A lot of times than the runner's high, don't tell Tony that, you know, but, (laughs) you know, so the scientific aspect of it is very, very vital. Just like with the medication, we, we, I just don't want us to become completely codependent on a lot of those things just like the drugs and alcohol, because a lot of times that's what happens. You know, it's, it's one thing after another. It's the opioids, it's the drugs, it's the alcohol. How can I avoid who I am? And that's, that's one of the another key components that I didn't mention earlier, but we have avoided being in touch. You can't selectively numb, you know, any emotions. If, if I don't want to have fear, then I'm and in guilt and shame, then I'm also numbing my joy and my peace
1: so you've had 52-ish cohorts, I believe, 52, yes, 53, over yeah. 500 people. Maybe Mike and Tony talk about the financial cost of hosting a cohort and how that ties into what we're doing here with Team Leadville to raise money. You know, what does each person cost for us to bring through the program, which Carrie reminded everyone is free to the participant. So we, uh, you know, we we're, we're running for a reason.
3: Sure. Hey, I'd be happy to speak to it. You know, so we we like to say rough order of magnitude, you know, two thousand per individual. You know, and with that, you know, that wraps up the cost of you know everything overhead. You know, the stay at Heartland, food, you know, clinician costs, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. So. People are surprised a lot of times when they say this program is free to all participants. It's like, absolutely. Um, We've even partnered with Mercy Medical Angels to get for our veterans free, free airfare to them, very low cost and discounted to us by virtue of, you know, again, Mercy Medical Angels. But we've had people come from Alaska, pay zero. So all of that comes, I'll say, at a cost to us, which is fundraising and all of that stuff, which leads me to team Leadville and, and Tony Hoffman, you know, he's been a big time contributor, you know, for years now. And the Leadville trail marathon fundraising campaign has been, I'll say one of the three major fundraising pillars for warriors ascent. So, you know, hat off to Tony for being a great partner in that. And uh, you know, I'm not going to steal his thunder. I'll tee it up. But what we like about Leadville aside from Tony and aside from, you know, the funding that we get, it's very, I'll say symbolic and emblematic of what it is that we stand for, which is grit, perseverance, tenacity, et cetera. So with that, Tony.
2: Yeah. Yeah. I, I Randy, thank you. I don't want to, I deflect all of the stuff on, off of me. It's people like you, Joel, that on, Um, You know, we created Team Leadville back in 2015, but really in 2016, we locked in with Warriors Ascent. Mike had been just hired as the executive director. Um, I guess I will say this, uh, our runners are amazing people. Here's what we're asking them to do. We're asking them to to train for either a 26.2 mile or 15.5 mile run in Leadville to go to 13,185 feet. That, that's about a 16 week training program. We're asking them to travel on their dime to Colorado. We're asking them to run the race and we're asking them to fundraise for Warriors Ascent. And, and without Team Leadville, with, without runners, there is no Team Leadville, without donors, there is no impact to, in this case, Warriors Ascent. So, so uh, we stand for endurance, teamwork and grit, but the team is all in for for uh, supporting veterans and first responders, the most amazing group of people I will ever be associated with, including you, Randy, and Carrie's part of that. Mike Kenny's running. I mean, um, yeah, the, the folks, we, so that's what I'll say. Um, and it's all for the right reasons and all for the right cause. Um, and I think the group effort, if you ask people because a lot of our runners come back, I don't know why, um, I think they would tell you they would tell you it is the group atmosphere, and it gives them a better purpose, and it's bigger than themselves um, to save lives. So um, that's my that's my only two cents worth, Randy and
1: Carrie. Can I
0: can I answer Jenna's question?
1: Yes, I didn't see Jenna's question. Go ahead. <laughs> So I'm,
0: I'm going to tell you that in the morning, what I do is a, a yoga, deep stretch guided meditation. I, I do what worked for me. So I have them hold the postures for about five minutes, you know, a variety of different postures. And I give them postures that they can do at home. And there's a couple of videos. If you just search my name on YouTube, you can see some of my yoga videos out there. So I provide a guided deep stretch and the reason why with people like us, with the PTS and the anxiety and the depression and everything like that, our mind is going constantly and we think we're doing everything wrong. We have a lot of guilt and a lot of shame. So I guide them through that process of what's worked for me. And it's it's been one of the most pivotal aspects. I think I was probably the first person to introduce that into Kansas City six years ago. And so now you'll see some of that. But a lot of times when they do a yin deep stretch, they'll be like, you know, You go into child's pose and then they don't talk to you for three minutes. Okay, now we're going to come out of child's pose. We're going to do this where I talk to them the whole time and it's themed. Then in the evening, I do a yoga nidra. Now that once again, that depends on the time because a lot of times if the talks last till 10 o'clock, I'll only do like a 30 minute session, but I try to do it an hour. And that's another thing that's open up to the community. So if you guys are ever in Kansas City, Thursday evening and seven o'clock when we do the Warriors descent, it's community yoga. So I'd love for you to come out and experience, you can meet the people and talk. And if you're a local provider or you provide anything, or you just want to get to know the people a little bit better, come on out on the seven, you know, seven o'clock on a Thursday evening. Now that I can tell you has been one of the most pivotal aspects of these guys and gals is because They say that's the best sleep that they've ever got. These people go home and watch my videos with their kids. They'll send me videos of them and their whole entire family in the living room with the TV up doing yoga nidra because it's been one of the most impactful experiences of their life. Um, And so there's other things that Amy Shonoff does as well. But those are the two key components. I start their day off with a guided meditation and then I end the day with a guided meditation. I don't, I want to make sure I got, I know this probably is going to end, but is there any other questions that anybody has? Joe
1: held up and reminded us that we can learn more about Tony Hoffman and grit with endurance, teamwork and grit and embracing grit. So two books in the grit and perseverance series. There's going to be a third one though. Right. Okay.
2: There is Randy. I, I um, it'll be shorter um, and it's about traversing the rim to rim to rim in the Grand Canyon on April 2nd of 2021.
0: I can't wait to read that one.
1: <laughs> well, Carrie, it's awesome work you do. Uh, I've witnessed it, you know, the impact you've had on folks' lives. It's clear your mission statement and your purpose are woven into your life and you're living it out. You're not just saying it; you're doing it and you're having a, tremendous impact on people's lives and that is awesome to see and it's great example for all of us thanks guys you know I, I know I haven't met you but I love and accept each
0: and every one of you for who you are my information is in here so if you want to email me text me call me anytime if there's anything I can do for any one of you do not hesitate to reach out
1: well good job look forward to seeing you out there again and look forward to seeing some of these uh, folks out at Leadville
0: Yeah. On the finish
1: line. I I always go to the finish line. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) Hopefully I make it there. (laughs) I look forward to seeing you.
0: (laughs) All right. You guys have a great week. All right. Everyone have a great weekend.
1: We'll see you again soon. Thanks, Carrie. All right. Thanks. Bye-bye. Bye. The lessons Carrie shares with our veterans and first responders are lessons we can apply in our own lives as well and allow us to make a big difference in the lives of others around us don't forget to visit warriorsascent.org to learn more about their work and hopefully give to support all they do to help stop veteran suicide. You can follow Team Leadville as we head out to climb Mosquito Pass at over 13,000 feet to develop resilience, grit, and perseverance in the fight to save veterans' lives. Now get out there and get after it. Be courageous, be strong, never give up. I'll see you soon.